You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shabakizadi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Marks and I am the host of the show and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it and I'm sitting here recording this on the morning of Monday, May 27th. This is in the United States Memorial Day, I believe it is a bank holiday uh, for you in the UK as well. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying your day wherever you are listening, because obviously when you listen, the bank holiday will be over or maybe you didn't get one. I, I don't know. Um, election results are out uh, in the UK and elsewhere in Europe, um, but we won't talk about any of that. But this week we are back with part two of the season reviews. Um, and that means I'm going to talk with a couple of guests just to get their thoughts and kind of follow up with what we did last week. So last week we talked with a number of patrons, uh, people who support the show monetarily uh, by donating a small amount via patreon.com. And in return, they get a little bit extra. So if you're interested in things like that, like maybe a private group chat, uh, potential extra episodes per month, um, and uh, just you know, knowing that you help make the show possible, uh, you can do that by heading over to Patreon.com/sfcdelivery. The link is in the show notes. Once again, though, if you if you can't afford it or you don't want to, uh, you just like listening, totally fine. I appreciate that as well. Uh, so thank you for for listening. Thanks for being here, and that really is the most important thing. So. Last week, we talked with a number of patrons. This week, we talked with uh, a couple of people. We talked with Chris, who actually is a patron of the show as well. Uh, Tim, who contributes to the newsletter. He's written a number of articles, so we talked with him. We'll catch up with Rob Maddox, who is a friend of the show and uh, a, a, a really good friend, actually. Uh, is Tim J. Marshall, who uh, we'll speak to last on this week's show. Um, and so we'll get their thoughts on um, some players. Uh, we do it over a number of days. So, you know, circumstances, things change, rumors change. Uh, so we'll talk about all of that. But I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes because we'll be here all summer. All right. So with all that said, let's jump into it. It's a bit of a lengthy episode. Uh, thanks for being here. I'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a patron of the show, Chris, a saint in London. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show, and thanks, first of all, for supporting the show and for taking the time to, to join me and talk about the season and, and look forward a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, my, my pleasure. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, know, I know you joined the patron uh, for both this show and the Total Saints podcast, and I, I hope that you are uh, kind of enjoying that. And I know both Ben and I uh, appreciate it very much. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's, thanks for that. And it's going to be a pleasure to, to kind of chat. We've been chatting 
beforehand a little bit, and it's going to be nice to just talk about the team and get your get your ideas on on how things went, and especially from somebody who supports Saints and uh, now lives in London. So it's uh, you got a little bit you're a little bit removed from maybe the uh, minutia that people get wrapped up in uh, in Southampton, Absolutely. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've been to a couple of home games uh, this season, uh, but I, I was co- sort of concentrating on the the London sort of away games. Uh, ended up going to seven, I think, in total. Uh, but yeah, enough distance, I think, to sort of keep interested. <laughs> What's the uh, most difficult stadium to get tickets to in London? Is that going to be Fulham away? Is that is that the hard um, one? West Ham was difficult this season because it was the last game. Uh, I think it was you know it was a Saturday, so it went pretty quickly. Um, I'm only a, a member. I don't have a season ticket. So it was, yeah, I think there was 100 tickets left at nine o'clock in the morning when it went out and what, they went straight away. So I ended up sitting with the home fans, which isn't great. Uh, when, you know, London Stadium, the atmosphere is rubbish. And, you know, I was sort of worried about if we score, you know, how do I react? But I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, you and I, same experience, you know, the two different <laughs> yeah. years. It was awful. Same, yes. I was on a, I was, I was on a pub crawl with a bunch of friends. We do we do a pub crawl every year on the same bank holiday weekend. And I left them to go to the game. And I wish I hadn't because I was having so much fun. And I thought, oh, you know, go, go watch the game. You know, who knows what's going to happen. And I, I have to admit, I've never done it before, but I left at 80 minutes Ooh. because I thought I need to jump on that tube and go back to see my friends. And, you know, I'm done. I'm done here. Yeah, no. And, uh, I, you know, I don't think anybody's going to blame me for that because you got to have some fun. And honestly uh freddie and i last year drank plenty before and uh we went back and drank plenty after and and that was i mean that was one of the it was was such a different experience for me because usually when i go to places here it's a it's a three-hour drive one way at least and i have my kids with me and i'm like doing dad stuff and trying to shuttle them around make sure they get to the bathroom and and all this stuff and and then when it was going to that game it was just Freddie was basically my dad because I had no idea what was happening. So I, I understand the uh, wanting to get out and, and get away from that a little bit. Yeah, you have to come over and go to a proper ground. I get a proper, proper, you know, experience because the, the atmosphere is really terrible there. You can, you can tell it's, it's almost it's they fill it up because I'm sure there's lots of tourists, but all of the it's sort of too big for them because you have like clusters of fans that are trying to get chance going. It never quite takes off. So it's very weird atmosphere. And obviously you're very far away from the pitch as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of like a, it takes so long for the sound to travel that it, it almost sounds like an echo once another radio starts singing. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have to, I mean, my brother is a QPR fan and you know, I've heard the seats there are terrible at, at Loftus road, but maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, a I look at that. I look at, I look at, um, at Goodison park where Everton play and I go like, man, it might be nice just to watch a game in a place like that. Yeah. 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 But, uh, Anyway, let's talk about let's talk about our season. Um, yeah, if I mean, if you could describe the team, uh, for some reason, I'm really into like really short descriptions right now, and maybe it's oh, just because I'm, I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of writing a, a ton of stuff. But uh, uh, if you can make just a, a statement about the team, like what would you say about it right now? Uh, this is possibly the worst question to ask me. I'm a big, I'm a talker, so I, I find it hard to be concise. Um, oh, sorry, right. go for it. <laughs> in, in in transition, I would say is probably to sum up the season. Um, I don't want to start. I don't want to go on too much about the beginning because I think we all we all know how sort of turgid it was. Um, but it has, you know, you could look at it the season as a bit of a write-off. You could also see it as the season of transition. You know, we had Hughes leaving, we had Reed going, Kruger going. Um, and we've ended up in a position where 
it seems quite a positive one and we're definitely going in the right direction which is good considering how disappointing the the end of the season was i mean i was at the huddersfield game um i don't quite understand why we played the way we did um i'm sure at half time even though we were we were one up uh ralph wouldn't have been happy and he would have been asking more from his players mm-hmm. uh, and i'm surprised that they there was no real reaction there at the second half um the atmosphere was a bit dead as well at the stadium um and it was just a real sort of dull way to end the season it's such a shame and i think the, what hasn't come up with your other guests at the moment is i felt i felt really sorry for ralph because obviously he did this great job uh, and we only ended up in, in 16th, but he would, he would be looking at this as his, you know, first season and that's going to go down on record where we finished. And I'm sure he would have wanted us finishing high, not just because of the, the, the prize money, but for his own stats, really his own career. And I'm sure he would have been fuming with, with that last game. Um, and West Ham to, to, to a degree, although he was kind of experimenting with the squad. Um, so yeah, I really felt sorry for him there. Yeah. I think, I think that you bring up a good point there is that he, I mean, he did such a wonderful job and we all felt you could, we could all feel it, but you could all see it when you watch the team, but yet we never really climbed above 15th. Like we had to fight for every single point and it was, it, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to think about the fact that if he didn't do exactly what he did, if he didn't do as well as he did with the, with the squad, we'd be down, you know, there was, there was yeah. no room for error. And for him to, like you said, only, wind up finishing in 16th people are going to look at that in, in four or five years maybe and just it'll be a stat on on, a, on his wikipedia page and he'll go like oh man you know he's not that good he didn't do that much and it's like well if you look at the season if you look at the last couple of managers we've had and how we've played and things like that like this is this is he did pretty damn well it really did and and it was kind of unfortunate for us that sort of the teams around us apart from sort of brighton and bournemouth they, they they started improving at some point after Christmas, you know, Palace, Burnley, Newcastle, they were all picking up points. So mm-hmm. even though our performances were getting a lot better, they were also improving as well. So that, you know, people will kind of forget that. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. But we kind of, you know, when we were looking at um, post-Christmas, when we were kind of, the team were absolutely shattered. We had a couple of, you know, uh, tough fixtures with sort of Man City and, and, and Chelsea, which we got that great draw at. Well, I say great, but you know, good draw at. Um, <laughs> we had that sort of period where, you know, we beat Leicester and Everton and it was like, this is it. Well, no, you know, we, what have we got after? It was, it was sort of like Fulham, Palace, Burnley. And we felt like that was the point where we, we were like, okay, we're going to start like flying up the table now. Uh-huh. And it went in a completely opposite direction, didn't it? Yeah. And that, yeah. Was, that was kind of, I think that period is the, 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 low, the, you know, the low period, you know, especially losing to Cardiff. I was at that game as well. I haven't seen a win under Hassan Hussle, actually. Um, I should probably stop going to the games. But um, <laughs> it was, it, you know, we've, we've, we thought that was going to be it. And, it, and it, that, you know, losing to Cardiff, it was, it was, it was awful, wasn't it? It was... And the Huddersfield match actually reminded me of that Cardiff performance where you had uh, no one really wanted to have a go at goal. Um, everyone was being very sort of cautious. And, you know, the, the, the fans, I don't know what it was like watching it on, on TV, but, you know, the fans were getting uh, frustrated with the players, not, not because they were, you know, being nasty, but, you know, we know what they're capable of doing. You know, Prowsey was sort of like, uh, you know, darting around the box but not really doing anything at the end and, and you know Redmond was doing the classic you know taking slightly a bit more time before getting rid of the ball yeah Dan, Danny Ings was struggling a little bit but 
they were all those those three players particularly were putting in a lot of effort. I don't know if it came out well on television, but you could see Danny Ings was trying to get things going, especially from where I was sitting. Um, the, obviously, the finishing wasn't there, but he was making an effort. Maybe some people in the back weren't though. Yeah. yeah, well, I think with Ings, it looked like he was just constantly trying to get the ball shifted to his other foot, and he just was a was a step too slow every single time. And and like you said, they were just taking that extra touch or that extra second on the ball that that allowed players to close them down. And and the opposition was was kind of up for it, and they were willing to to come in and and put pressure on. And and we just didn't cope with it well. I think, I mean, you've seen us when we were forced to play against a team who was going to be on us and, and quick and who we could, we could, I guess, apply pressure to it. We played much better than when we have to break a team down or we have to kind of be the ones to go attacks. And so I think there's definitely some, some room for improvement from the squad there. So uh, yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't look great on TV. It looked like um, kind of every amateur game you've ever seen where you got one guy who just won't give up the ball soon enough and, and everybody's exactly. just getting frustrated. And, and I think you asked one of your guests this question about the difference between watching on TV and being at the ground. I mean, I grew up in Southampton. I was there for 24 years before moving to London. And so it's a very, so it feels like a small town to me and, you know, very familiar place. So sitting there and watching this game without the commentary and all of the, you know, if you're watching it on the US channel, you've got all of the kind of sugar-coated kind of energy. And, um, but being there, it really did feel like this is not a Premier League game. This feels like a friendly or a, it was just like a kickabout almost. Yeah. Um, and that's what surprised me the most is that, you know, if I was Ralph, I'd be saying, you know, okay, we're up, but you're, you're auditioning for your place next season, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I'm just surprised that we got a re- that reaction from some of the players. Yeah, me too. And, and Ralph kind of made it clear afterwards that he said, Not happy. I think, yeah, I think after that and after the West Ham game, he said, I have a really clear picture now of what's going to happen over the summer or what I want to happen over the summer. And it's just like, you know, some guys are going to be hearing that and going like, well, everybody's happy the season's over and we stayed up. But like people are not happy because their career at Southampton is probably over. <laughs> yeah. And I think what really, really needs to be worked on in the summer is this kind of mental uh, attitude as well. Because you mentioned Danny Ings kind of struggling there. I mean, when was the last time he scored? Was it before Christmas? Yep. Um, and, you know, he, he obviously is aware of this. And um, he must be struggling mentally because he, he's had the other players around him kind of step up and score the goals uh-huh. so you know he needs looking after this summer and he needs he, maybe he's lost a bit of confidence there because he like i said he was definitely putting in the effort uh, and people were frustrated not because he was being lazy but because wasn't quite doing the things that he wanted to do so i think looking after the team mentally is going to be a big challenge this summer and getting them prepared for next season yeah I, i'm worried about I'm always worried about Ings and his fitness, not because he does, he's not in good shape, but just because his body has betrayed him before. And the, I think what Ralph is demanding of them both probably physically and mentally is going to be difficult on, on everyone. So I just hope he can stay healthy because if he stays healthy, I think the goals will come for him. Um, yes. But I, I worry a little bit. Uh, and, and even, I mean, he hasn't scored since December, but in all competitions, he's only one goal off being our top scorer. And I think we've seen yeah. that over the past couple of seasons where, you know, we haven't had anybody get to, to double figures and it's, um, you know, we need that. We need somebody to get us, a couple of people are probably to get us 10, 10 goals or so. And, uh, you know, we'd like a striker. Everybody wants a striker to give 20 goals, but that, that um, doesn't happen very often. So I'm not, I'm not going to demand that because that's, that's just not happening. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I, if in the summer now, I, the transfer window is here, uh, is there anything you're looking forward to? I mean, you meant, you mentioned like mentality and, and, and stuff like that. Do you think 
that'll be the focus of the team or, or are you looking forward to maybe bringing in a player? What, what are you thinking about this summer? I think I'm looking forward to stuff happening relatively quickly. Uh, I know Ralph wants to do business uh, as soon as possible. I think last season we had, obviously we had the World Cup, so we had players away. We had, um, you know, Danny Ings was a late signing. So we really didn't have, we had a bit of a rubbish preseason in terms of not having the full squad playing together. We had some really terrible results, didn't we, with ghastly results. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'd be nice to have everyone together, you know, get, getting in all of the, the loanies, uh, making the signings, n- not too quickly, obviously, but enough to give them time to work together on the pitch and come back. What I'm looking forward to actually is I'm looking forward to seeing Obafemi come back and I, I want to see more of him. You know, I, I hope he's been listening to Ralph and, and working on his body and because he, he, he was looking pretty great, like a great prospect for us. Um, so, yeah, kind of want to see more, more of him, really. He looks like he could be a power lifter at any point. Yeah, he's so sure. He's so s- compact and, and almost like barrel chested, kind of looks... You know, like his, he's got a pretty big. It looks like he likes the bench press, but that's that's okay. Um, it's, a weird, it's, it's a weird thing to say, but there's a lot of kind of personality in his performance that I was noticing. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, he's he was impressive. I think if you if you, I mean, I think he quickly slips out of the memory simply because he got injured so quickly. But when he came on yeah. the pitch, he definitely looked like he could he could cause people problems and, and do us some good. So it'll and at be, the uh, time we were, um, at the time we were just desperate uh-huh. for someone to score a goal, weren't uh-huh. we? I mean, this is before Redmond started scoring pretty much or his, his first goal. Prowsey hadn't been scoring long, hadn't started scoring. Danny Ings was away. It was, it was desperate times. really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that as well. I think that'll be, that's a, that's a good call there. Um, for you, uh, if you had to pick one player going forward, one player to build the team around, uh, is it Hoiberg? Is it Redmond? Is it somebody else? It's got to be Redders, I think. Uh, he, it's just been very impressive. I mean, it's just all season. I mean, every, you know, I'm glad he's got the awards he's got um, just because he's just pulled everyone forward, you know, in, in, in times of need. And it, people do get frustrated with him. And, you know, my only criticism of him, um, which is this, he normally takes perhaps one second longer than he needs. Uh-huh. It, you know, and I, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, oh, he takes risks, and obviously when you take risks, you take you're taking a lot of people on, you're going to lose the ball at some point. I mean, there's 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 a point where it become there becomes a pattern where okay, there, there's taking risks, and then there is a pattern of just taking too long and needing to get rid of the ball. Um, but obviously that's, we can't criticize him too much because he's just been so brilliant and I'm so glad he got that call up and, and is, uh, you know, away with the boys now playing with Prowsey. It's great. So yeah, I think we would, if we lost him, you know, when we didn't have him in that first half against West Ham, you could tell. And when he came on in that second half, it's a different second half, it still wasn't good enough. Like right. the, sorry, the team wasn't good enough, not him, but, um, he made that change straight away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, he definitely has a. I think he's our biggest impact player at this point. And yeah, but we should have given a, a, an award to, to Hoybeard as well, just because you know, he's been a champ, you know, he's been in front of the cameras. He's mm-hmm. been, you can, it's just his passion. Um, so yeah, two, two very important players for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll go from one end of the spectrum to the other. If there's a player who is, I guess, not unimportant, but one player you could get rid of, if you just pick one player in the squad to say, you know, you're off for wage reasons or performance reasons or whatever it is. Like, who who would that p- person be? It's quite a difficult one, really, because I think I think a lot of players need to go. Um, uh-huh. 
I'll go with my sort of slightly controversial but slightly pragmatic answer, which is possibly Mario Lamina, because um, I would say Jack Stevens, but I'm not sure we're going to get much money for him. But if we, you know, I saw the January window, there were rumors flying around about PSG, you know, thinking about a 20 million, you know, offer. If we, if someone said, okay, you could sell Mario Lamina for 20 million and you could buy a player that Ralph has worked with, um, in the Bundesliga, we would probably go for that, wouldn't we? Um, rather than, you know, Mar- I love, uh, Mario looks great. You know, everyone says he goes from, you know, being Champions League to Championship. And I've, I've got this sort of funny thing with myself that you go to speak in video game terms, he goes from Super Mario to Wario. You know? <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I'd love, to see, I'd love to see him really take off. But um, if, if it was a choice of him or someone that Ralph has worked with and has that relationship and knows, it fits in, knows a place for him and that he's going to fit into the system, I would definitely go for that. Yeah, and I think, you know, everybody wants to get rid of players when they're not playing well and not performing because we think we can do better. But sometimes you have to get rid of players that will actually bring in value, some value. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that it, people will look at, at Lamina and say, you know, he fits into a lot of teams and is a is a, is a very good midfielder. And I, I don't know, it, it, it would be, I, I think you would have some people get upset because we're getting rid of a good player. But also, I think, like you pointed out, somebody who fits into Ralph's system a little bit better, uh, who maybe has some idea of what Ralph wants and, and you know, may come in at a, a slightly lower cost and have a better impact. I, I think that'd be be really good and that midfield that we have is looking pretty decent at this point and yeah a lot of competition though yeah and uh yeah so i I get that and he's i mean he had a tough season simply because he seemed to be had the stomach issue and uh i think he also had a driving uh incident which caused him not to be able to drive was it the biggest fine in the uk i think jesus um his instagram story is always a mess i don't speak french or i think that's what he's speaking but i don't know what's going on like I, i just I flick through it because I don't want to. I don't want to see most of it. But yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, he, he's a different guy. His life is much different than mine. <laughs> and there's also this goalkeeper situation as well, which you know it has been mentioned before. Um, I, I keep changing my mind on it. Um, I think I replied to one of your comments. Well, asked the question on one of the podcasts in the new year about sort of like who should be our number one. It's it's quite confusing. You know, Ralph said that McCarthy was the number one, then quickly changed back to Gunn. Um, I, I didn't think McCarthy was doing anything wrong, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I, I understand that apparently Gunn fits in the system better from what he's seeing. Um, but, you know, McCarthy's not going to want to sit on the bench, is he? So maybe he need, he, he should probably move on because he, he should be playing in a premiership team, you know, else, elsewhere. He should be playing every game. Yeah. Um, you know, every, I think the, the I think that Chelsea draw in the new year when Gunn was in goal, I think that was the thing that kind of got everyone very excited about him. Uh-huh. Um but we've struggled with clean sheets with, with you know, both keepers. Um, that is a problem, which I think it says more about our defense than it does our, our goalkeeping uh, situation. So I think, I think we're lucky that we've got, you know, decent keepers. But I would feel bad for him if he was second choice next season. So maybe he does go move on, you know? Yeah. I mean, the last clean sheet we had was against Brighton. Uh, before that, it was against Fulham. And you got to go some ways back to, to find. Uh, another one Chelsea, so yeah Chelsea it, yeah that's not it's not great I mean that's only I think yeah. three in the in 2019 which is not it's not a stellar record so um, definitely have some work to do and like you said probably says more about the defense than than maybe the goalkeeping but um, I think so and I don't, it doesn't necessarily say anything about our uh, goals being scored because we are scoring goals you know yeah. uh, it'd, yeah. be, we should, we, it'd be nice to score more 
but that hasn't really been an issue uh, recently. No, I think I think uh, we were talking last week. It's, uh, we scored like forty-five goals or something like that, and I just can't remember very many of them. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's that that's more than than other, some other teams were putting up. I mean, it's uh, what, what's crazy is is Wolves only scored forty-seven goals, and we scored forty-five. And if you would have asked me which crazy. which team was was the bigger offensive powerhouse, I would have said Wolves for sure, and just wasn't really the case um they scored just, a few crackers there haven't we yeah 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 uh yeah all, all of those goals of the season were were wonderful shots in, in their own yeah. right and um i i like i like i'll be honest i like the manchester city type you know five thousand passes just you know death by a thousand paper cuts almost um yeah that, that, that um arsenal goal was great at the beginning of the season wasn't it Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Ramsey's the, 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 the flick went straight from the bag. Every player pretty much had a touch. Yeah, and it was all you know skillful touches as well. That was that was glorious. Yeah, those will always get my vote over the uh, the thirty five yard the power drill. Yeah. yeah, which which is always the goal you try to score anyway, because that's that's what everybody <laughs> like. So I'm totally guilty of having the, having to go with those, but uh, it's it's all right. But I mean, I'd love to know the percentage of the, the percentage of those that are actually sort of luck. You know. I mean, I mean, the, the, the Vincent Company one, for example. I don't know why we're talking about other teams, but you know that that one that was sort of magical and like a fairy's hell going in the goal. But I don't, I'm not sure if anyone was expecting that to go in. No, I think they they were mentioning the stats on on how many shots he had. I don't think he had a shot on target from from outside the box in like I think it was like three years or something like that. Like he just doesn't do that, and so zero people expected that to go in. Opta didn't see it. Uh, he, I don't think Company thought it was it was going, but they just weren't creating any chances. So. Uh, he did it yeah, and it went nice. in. So that's, you got to yeah. take the chance, I guess. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Chris, I want to say thank you again for, for coming on the show and supporting the show and, and all that. And it's been uh, wonderful to talk to you both uh, on record and off. And it's uh, just, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. No, thank you. I mean, you know, uh, people probably aren't aware, but it, it's, it's, it's sort of five o'clock in the morning, your time. And you probably got up around, you know, half four so you know i don't think i think franny banali would struggle to get up at that time in the morning so uh yeah amazing work and you know um you know don't take take this the wrong way but you could support any team you 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 pick right because right. you know you, you didn't weren't born in southampton you don't have that connection but and you but you've stuck by this team you know through all of this you know terribleness in some cases and you put out this podcast every week and that's amazing and that's a you know so much more passion and stuff that we we read on twitter from you know so-called fans so yeah great job i appreciate that very much and uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun but it is like you said it's a it's plenty of work as well and um there have been some some dark mornings uh not just because the sun's not out but because uh just things didn't feel great but uh yeah it's, it's all right and i appreciate it very much no problem thank you We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, uh, one of the contributors for the newsletter. Uh, Tim, you have been a, a consistent contributor and a supporter of the show and of the newsletter for some time. So I just want to thank you for your, your contributions because you make uh, the newsletter uh, good. So so thanks for that. And uh, welcome to the show. This is the first time we've actually spoken. So uh, it's, this is nice to catch up a little bit. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, good to speak with you too. So catching up about uh, living in California since I used to live over that area, that area is really really good it's a cute story yeah it's uh i i'm lucky that i grew up here and that i've always lived here and i've always lived on the coast i've never lived inland um so there are parts of california that i don't appreciate that i don't like but uh (laughs) for the most part it's it's a wonderful place absolutely 
Um, but now you're way over in, in North Carolina. So that's a complete opposite ends of the country. Um, but, but still a, a nice area and, uh, Duke basketball is, is pretty special. It's, uh, it's a cult. Uh, if you're, <laughs> if, if you're, if you're a part of it in any way, shape or form, you are a cult member. Mm-hmm. And while I never went to school here, uh, I do work here and it's fantastic. A culture of, of work where, uh, people are always trying to save the world day in and day out. If you can't walk around in the hospital or walk around in the university and find someone who's trying to invent something new or start a new business or trying to cure cancer. That's, I mean, I, there are worse things, I guess, like, you know, to be around a bunch of highly motivated people, it might, it might just be the kick in the pants that some people need to, to get going. So, uh, maybe we just need one more guy on the team to start trying to score a lot of goals and we'll see if that, that spurs anybody else on. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you've given your thoughts on, on things in, in the newsletter and, and mostly uh, you've written about concussions. You've written about your, your story of becoming a, a fan. And as, as a fellow U S fan, we kind of have that thing where we could literally choose anybody to, to follow. And for one reason or another, we wound up, you know, supporting saints and it's been a, a great couple of years for me, uh, since the, since I started watching and then, the only thing I would say, the only bad thing would be the, the, since I started the podcast, the team has kind of been heading the wrong direction. So, um, but I mean, for you looking at this season and having supported the team kind of since, I think since around the same time I had, I started, um, you know, what would you say about, about this season, uh, to kind of sum it all up? So I guess that the, the tale of two seasons, one, and that's based on the manager with Mark Hughes and with, uh, Ralph, uh, Hustle uh, the, the change of pace in comparison where with Mark just kind of living the old, uh, living, living a part of the old guard, uh, being a part of the, you know, the traditional European, uh, English style, uh, individuals where they had their own set in stone ways where bringing in Ralph was a good change of pace. He definitely provided that kick in the pants that we needed. And at January, I was a little scared, uh, just because that he felt so confident in being able to ship out our current veterans and not just kind of jerry-rig the current system to keep us afloat. He said goodbye to Cedric, to Wesley Hoot, and to um, Gabby Adini there. And I was completely, just uh, completely baffled by it. But I owned up to it and said, by the time March came around, I believed in him. And that makes sense because you look back at his uh, Leipzig record, it just it adds all up together that he's going to be a good manager. And now it's just a, now it's just a point that can we dive, you know, can we dive in? Can we fully invest and get the guys that he needs also with the system and be able to have, and know that we're not complacent in nature that 16th place is not the place to be. And that's uh, consistently going up and that this is a place to be a, a place to be successful. in, as we've seen in the last few years going past all the way since we've been, uh, since we popped up from championship and, uh, 2012, 2011, 2012, 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, it's it's been, like you said, uh, the season can be split very easily into to pre and post Hassenhudel. And the moves that he made in January, he had said he wanted to clean, clean the squad out a little bit. Um, and I, like you said, did. looking back <laughs> on it, you 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 look at, at that move, that, that, that decision to just, Jan Valerie is going to be the guy we, we use it right back for the rest of the season. And I think a lot of us would have gone like, well, we like using youth players, but like, are you sure? Like, are you sure this is going to be it? And, and it was, I think, I think that, that 
the contributions that that he made to the team and, and the decisions that Ralph made, I think, totally worked out. But it was definitely a, a, a bold strategy, I guess. We love the, the the rotation mentality. You want to have somebody who's either, you know, been through the system and has been a seasoned veteran. Uh, that would be, you know, like your, um, I guess, like you're, you're looking for your Shane Long. Somebody who can be, you know, part of the team, support the team, and build on the team. And then you want to have youth be able to filter, uh, filter in, fill out the depth, fill out the roles, and then use that as a, use that in the rotation. So when he immediately got rid of Cedric, we knew that there wasn't any right back behind Van Val- Von Valerie. But then Kane Ramsey comes up, and he's there. He's capable, but he went full in on, in, on uh, Valerie, and we ha- had to go with it. And he was right, and that was awesome. Yeah, and... and- I mean, with that kind of, I mean, that's just one example of something that he's been uh, able to, I guess, I guess he's, it's one example of him being proven right in the decisions he's made. Um, also the improvements that he's made with, with Redmond as well. Um, I guess one guy who really hasn't improved under him was Ings. He didn't score in 2019 uh, most of the time that, that, uh, that Hassan Hill was in charge, but injuries have, have been a part of that. But um I guess, what are you looking forward to this summer? Is there a player you're hoping we come in or a position you hope we strengthen? Or is there something else with the team you hope Hassan Hood is able to do? Uh, it's just going to be the, I'm, I just am excited in general. Uh, obviously, when you start talking about transfer rumors, you start getting into bigger fights here and there. And how much uh-huh. money can we spend? What type of, uh, you know, what type of team should we be? Should we just buy everyone and hope for the best? Or, you know, or should we just invest in youth? So I guess the whole spectrum with Ralph and I believe that the board is going to be fully invested in him because they allowed to send out three individuals um, during the during the January window. So uh, what I'm really excited for is the the change the the change that I think he'll probably be making. Uh, he really dived into the four two 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 system, uh-huh. where he right now with the three five two he held with a flat back uh, with a flat back three with a three wing back. Um, if he does to use those interchangeably, uh, I, I'm excited because I love Vestigard. I'm a huge fan of him and what he does because he's such a big on the ball perspective. But then when you have Yoshida and you have uh, who's in the middle taking off and being the fastest center back to covering them and Bednarik, I think between those three and then combine that with Stevens and if he's if he's around and then a, definitely another fourth uh, center back who could be strong. Uh, that would be, I think that'd be fantastic. And then Bertrand and Target, uh, I don't see them going anywhere for the next year. Uh, Valerie, and they're probably going to bring in some kind of right back. It's a matter of whom. Uh, that could be anywhere from uh, the guy that's in Belgium all the way to uh, the, the guy who's in Greece right now. I can't think of their names off the top of my head. But And then we're going to be, the biggest thing though is that they need some kind of a striker and some kind of pace up there to really, 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 really get, get things going. I think that'll be their heavy, they'll be their heavy, heavy push. Um, he's going to use Romeo. He's going to use Ward Prowse. He's going to use um, PEH. He's going to use Mamina and, and like a three person rotation or three person rotation for four. Uh, he'll, th- he'll bring in Slattery more um, than with the wings. He'll have, uh, he'll have Sims rock in. So I don't think there's going to be more than two or three. Step signings that that is uh, that is also dependent dependent on uh, when when Austin leaves, which is going to happen, and then from there, uh, who else leaves? I mean, would you be would you be okay with with just two or three signings? Do you think that that's going to satisfy most of the fan base? No, I don't think it will. <laughs> so, that's 
Uh, I mean, that's, I think that's more of my prediction rather than what's going to be what's going to be satisfied. Okay. Uh, I think the idea of immediate results is you know, the the idea of immediate results is if we shoot up all the way to six or seven, uh, that's great, that's wonderful. Then he gets poached by you know whomever is going to you know by the, he's going to be the next Bayern coach or something like that. You never. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather have a small progression build up so that he's built a sustainable winner so that from that like he's uh, like a poached down the Tottenham where he has built himself up to the point that he is the team. Like they will do anything for the team. And I want to, if Ralph is the guy, which I believe he is, I want to be able to build back up. And as much as I would love to get, you know, being first, second and crack the top six, um, it's not re it's not realistic this year, but if you're able to get the 10th or ninth or 10th, uh, this, uh, this coming year, be able to build in some, uh, bring in some, a couple of youth players, a couple of good ones. And then as people filter out, build a system in, uh, get rid of anything that, th- that anyone doesn't want to be there uh, and make it work that way. Yeah, I think you make sure you get rid of anybody who's not willing to put in the work that we that the yes. system requires, you know? Yes. Hi, that is, a, was, I, think I, wrote, I think I wrote about that in one of my articles was the high press mentality, being, in a, being American and watching American soccer, uh, well, football that is for everyone here over in the, uh, across the pond. Uh, we, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a goalie by trade. So pure athleticism is something that I always truly enjoy. Mm-hmm. So him and his high press mentality, pushing, pushing strong. And then from there being able to make, make the best of other people's mistakes. I think it's capable in England. I think especially at the, uh, the, you know, below the bottom six, you're going to get any, it's anybody's game at any point, uh-huh. as long as you get him on an off day. And if you, with, with true athleticism, uh, combined with the, the high pressing mentality, and the quick passes, quick touches, and on the on uh, and on the ball, one two touch, which like Redmond can improve upon a little bit here, but that's okay. Sure, um, that's kind of this one improvement thing area that I can see. Uh, it's going to go well. It's really just going to go well. And and one thing that we should make sure and point out is that uh, collegiate soccer, so all the way up until like the highest, basically amateur level, I guess you can get, uh, is is rolling substitutions and unlimited. So. Uh, the athleticism part of it. There's a lot of long balls. There's a lot of, of there's a lot of physicality that's involved, and guys are expected to just sprint, 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 get off, rest, almost like American football in terms of uh, like if, think of American football wide receiver versus or running back versus uh, what we would what we would see at the, in the Premier League and and even in MLS a little bit. Yeah, and youth structure and youth soccer here in the states, uh, it is completely set in. This is your position, you know, at age eight so this is your position honed to it and be able to teach those and drill those positions in where the fluidity comes into play at the senior you know senior levels and over in different locations throughout the world they don't believe in that they feel more that some people are uh can you know they can they can roll the you know they can roll off and be a defender they can be a midfielder they can kind of go everywhere in between where we're really 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 stuck in the ways with being able to be hold your position and hold your ground and be at the, be as athletic as possible. Yeah. When you look at uh, Deontay Yedlin over there in Newcastle, he's one of the top. He's got like he's got to be top ten, maybe even top five in full in full speed uh-huh. out there and in terms of pace. Like he is the epitome of what a U.S. soccer player is. Is his on the ball work? Uh, it's it, it's it's all right, maybe okay. Like it's mediocre. Yeah. Um, he can cross the ball. He's got super pace and he can really piss off some people on the, on the wing mm-hmm. because he can just, he can, he, he's always there whether or not you're, you want him there. He's always there. Yeah. And, um, 
that's just kind of the that's just my best example that I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we mentioned maybe some players that might be on their way out. Um, but who do you think is the player that we need to kind of build around going forward? Oh, geez. So there's the debate between getting a target man in the upfront or working at a, like a like a like a pacey guy. Um, I really, 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 really like um, this kind of a. I really like the idea of both. It just all depends, on, and I trust Ralph or whatever he does. Um, uh, number one is uh, Augustine from from Red Bull, Red Bull Leipzig. It seems to be that he that Ralph is very much inclined to trust in the people that he has previously worked with. Uh-huh. Uh, just like how Lookman is getting some looks uh, from the team as well, who's over at Everton, and he was he, when he was there on loan at Leipzig. Uh-huh. So I think that would be like you're you're going to be looking at thirty five million uh, thirty five million euros. So to get there to get the guy just because he's got the pace he's got the, the talent he would he would slot in as a, as a crucial level according to fifa uh as a crucial as a crucial signing he would be he would be that guy um i would love that uh in addition to a couple i mean when it comes to the wings i really want i really want elanusi to do well like i really do i just don't see him panning out i don't think it's going to be so then you're going to need some you're going to need some more wing help there uh Musa Danyopo, he's doing really well. He's a, he's a highly rated winger, and outside of the you know like some maybe youth uh, some youth depth, looking at some of the players out there who are you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, um, even considering somebody like your um, if I dare say it like Angel Gomez from Manchester United, uh, look to be you know look to do a. Uh, you know, get some youth players, get some youth infus- uh, fusion in there, and he'd, it'd be a much better situation for him than Fosu Mensa was at, at Fulham, because while they're going to get play, he's going to have someone who's going to have have one who's going to be able to understand and get youth and get that guy in. So if you want to loan somebody in, but preferably uh, a bot, you know, a, a short buy option, and hopefully Ole's going to be too too busy dealing with all the Pogba uh, captaincy rumors. That he can he can just be like oh yeah he'll sign off on that real quick and everybody will be fine, um, yeah. So those are just those are just like ideas. Nothing's gonna be set in stone. I'm completely I'm just generally very fluid with how things go. Uh, I do uh, like don't do not like signing players over the age of 26, 27, just as a guy who's in the medical field that their wear and tear and injuries um, can really make take a major toll. Uh-huh. So the, the the increase of uh, the, the increase of severe injuries as as you get older in age and in soccer players definitely um, it just it just ramps up significantly over the period of time. So uh, signing somebody like Ings, I love the guy who because of because of who he is and uh-huh. to have that fixture. But he's a true Mark Hughes signing, meaning that uh, he is English, he is familiar from the area, uh, he's you know he's a guy that can commit like he just understands the english style he didn't have to walk in and have to learn a whole bunch of new stuff that wasn't him uh i wouldn't have signed Ings then but i'm happy to have him on the team because i think he's actually a genuine person um rather than looking at somebody who's like a oh actually the real player that i want to sign is timothy Wea, being the u.s guy uh-huh. you want to pace you want a pacey winger slash four you know slash up top he's the guy to be young and he's going to be big someday and I, I will highly predict that he will get, he will be somewhere. So that's, if I had to pick one person out of anyone, uh, it'd be him. And then like a top level striker or, or a target man, 
Uh, there's the guy from Frankfurt that I can't think of off, off the name of off the top of my head. And then some type of a you know cornerstone depth uh, center back who can who can slot in for the three uh, three for five mentality, or if we're running a four in the back, uh, just you know another one that could be a really just pure depth at that point. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I had something I was going to say, and uh, I lost it. But it's it's okay. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. But yeah. Um, I mean, if if you had to just pick one player at this point, just to to get rid of um, for any reason, who would it be? Uh, and it's not that I don't like the guy. I love the guy, Charlie Austin. I think I love how of a I love how roundhouse he is, how blunt he is at times in the interviews. He is a perfect guy to have on your team, but not in the system. So he'd be better off somewhere else because he's not going to get the time necessary. He's a tradition. He's that traditional type. Yep. Um, that really is just that'll roll deep into a, a mid-tier championship team, you know, and will roughhouse and get, get himself a couple red cards down there and have have a good time. Um, maybe like especially maybe more of a top uh, top one, something somebody who's trying to be. Uh, adventurous, try to get back into the, and really trying to push hard into it. Sure, uh, I would like him to be here, but I think he's going to be the first, one of the first, one of the first people gone. Uh, other than that, oh man, there's nobody I really want gone because when you get invested in the team, you kind of like the guys. Right, so, right, right, absolutely. And I don't. There's nobody around here. Who's, you know, there's nobody around here like the James Madison type who will go go to a bar and try to stab you or yeah, because I'm glad. I'm really happy we didn't get him. But uh, it's, it put me on spot here. I I don't know. Like I guess it's probably going to be the rest of the, the rest of the the loan, loaner guys, the loanees. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jordy Jordy Classy has has never hasn't scratched the team in two years. He doesn't want to be here. So there. Why do we just keep loaning them out? Let's just get a, you know get get the money, get rid of them. Yeah. Carrillo, like I don't see him coming back. He was a he was a signing by the previous managers who he's literally not going to fit in very. He doesn't want to be actually be at Southampton. He wants to be in France or in Portugal or in Spain. Uh, and then Buffal, like I, I think his, his style of play would fit significantly well with, with Ralph. Absolutely well. Now, will he be, will Ralph be able to baby him? No, he's going to tell him straight up, you're sucking. You need to do this. And yeah. he could be really, really, really successful. Um, and then some of the other, some of the other guys who are just kind of capped off the, towards, towards the bottom tier, your Harrison Reeds, uh, your Jake Heskas, um, is much, if you, if you want to hold on to them for dear life, um, but in, in your Alfie Jones too, I think they're going to be gone. I, I really do think they're going to be gone and I don't think they're going to be on the place in this team. Yeah. The, yeah. the senior team that is. And, uh, I remember what I was going to say, uh, so you wouldn't sign Adam Lallana then? No. I would not sign Adam Luana. He That would just smell like a, like an Ings signing. Yeah. Uh, Ings will be done. Ings will be here for another two years and then he'll, he'll, he'll go off with the championship and we'll try and we'll, we'll lose, we'll lose a lot of money on him. That's what's going to happen. Uh, I don't, I don't want Adam Luana. Nothing against the guy. Uh, he obviously had some riff, uh, riff tip with the team back in the day. Yeah. And I don't think that's of interest to, to, to sign new, uh, kind of sign old players. Right. That's something Mark. That's something Mark used to do. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So at the time we're talking, it's not out yet. It's not even completely written yet. But there is something on the newsletter in Adam Alana or about Adam Alana, um, that I wrote, 
and we'll see. I think I'm, I think I'm with you. So, uh, well, people will just have to check it out and see, and we'll put a link to it in here just in case people are interested. But yeah, I mean, um, Tim, just thank you. Um, thank this you. is, this has been great. And, um, and it's been nice to finally uh, catch up and chat a little bit. Yeah, we can, we talk, we, I'll be happy to talk more. It sounds, uh, sounds like a good time. And if anybody has any interest in articles, um, also that could be medical based, uh, I'm always happy to do them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you want to get in touch with Tim, his email is T B I S A N T Z at gmail.com. Uh, that is in the show notes. You can get a hold of him there. And, uh, Tim, just thanks for very much. And hopefully uh, we'll have some more articles from you soon in the, uh, in the newsletter. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Rob Maddox. You can find him on Twitter at AlwaysOnTarget and on Instagram at RobMaddox underscore. Rob, welcome back to the show. This time for a, a quick chat, really, before you head off to the U.S. Yeah, um, it be a good time to reflect on, on the season of two halves, for sure. Looking forward to heading over to, to the States soon. Should be interesting. Yeah, hopefully the East Coast treats you well during the summer. It can be... Uh, muggy and and probably a lot warmer than you're used to but i'm sure it'll be a good time yeah hopefully yeah um, hope the sun's shining for me um and just for anybody who's listening to this one uh i recorded two mm-hmm. interviews yesterday and then uh i yelled a lot last night at the at our staff soccer match or football <laughs> match so um I, I am i am hurting in more ways than one but we're we're gonna do this um let's do it but um rob i guess one of the things i wanted to ask you is that if you could like make one statement about the team or about the season, uh, what would that statement be? Perseverance for me, definitely perseverance. Um, not only because I found under under Mark Hughes that we weren't pushing. For, cause one thing that I really looked at um, in, prepa- in preparation for this is how we react at halftime to to the scoreline. So under Mark Hughes. Um, We'd be 1-0 up at Brighton or we'd be uh, winning a game at halftime and then we'd coast. We'd feel, you know, okay, this game's easy. They don't yeah. want it as much as us. We'd be just being really relaxed. Under Ralph, you come in at halftime. Um, you, you, I mean, even at the West Ham game the other week where we lost 3-0, when I was there, you could see that the players were trying a lot more at halftime. Ralph properly gives them a, a good hair drying treatment. Um it's, it's obvious that you can see that the team really wants to win. I mean, we saw it. Oh yeah, everyone's talking now, end of season reviews. Everyone's talking about that Spurs game uh, where we won 2-1 at home. But you could see when they came out in the second half how much they wanted to win that game because it's such a vital game for our survival that you could obviously see that the manager and the players really put their will into it compared into the first half where we were just shambolic. Yeah. So for me, perseverance is really, really important, not only in staying up, also in, in pushing for higher places like we're going to be looking let, let's be real we're not going to be getting Europa League next season or anything like that but we will be looking to move up the table a bit more with the manager and the resources that we do have yeah and I think that's that's, that's really important because if you're going to be pushing for those places you got to hold on to some of those points and we kept talking about you know drop points from winning positions and and things like that and and, and yeah you're right the the idea that we can we can come back into a game and and, and win it even if we're down um shows shows a big difference and uh i could be incorrect in in my thinking but um i want to say you know we drew with man united as well uh mm-hmm. 2-2 but i want to say we were ahead to nothing in that match and they and they came yeah, back into well. it and and that shows the the difference you know where 
we score in the 13th and 20th minute there. Um, and then, you know, it, it's not after halftime, but we, we allow them back into the game and under Mark under, sorry, under Hassan Hoodle, um, you know, things were a lot different and, and the halftime team talk has to be something that he uh, has mastered at this point. Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. He's obviously a manager of experience. I mean, you have a look at the Bundesliga and where he took Leipzig in their first season and where and where he took, I think, Ingo Slot from Bundesliga 2 to Bundesliga 1. Um, it's insane. So he's obviously been in a club like this where we are struggling um, at the moment, let's be real. We are struggling from where we used to be. Um, and it's all about getting the best out of his players. Maybe in, in the match, he's doing that as well, like we said about half-time. Well, off the pitch, he's also doing it, like turning off the Wi-Fi in their hotel room so they don't get addicted to gaming different things like that it's all part of his plan so i mean yeah he's been absolutely excellent that's all i can say yeah yeah i'm, I'm I, I wish we could vote him player of the season um but yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, redmond deserves it so i won't i won't take that away from him but probably, yeah um, i probably would vote for him for save of the season that's for sure yes save us yes. yeah um so I guess if there was something you were looking forward to this summer, uh, aside from your trip to the United States, of course, but like uh, team wise, what what are you hoping happens and over over the summer? What's the one thing you, if you could make happen, what what would it be? I wouldn't. All right, I've been thinking about this, and for the last week, two weeks, well, since the transfer window has really been open, all we've been linked with are these wingers. All I'm seeing, winger, winger, that Genepo from Belgium, all these wingers. <laughs> I think we need, yeah, we got Hoiberg, but at the back, we need a leader. We need, the, the, there's a guy who plays in the Syria, he plays for Palermo. Uh, no, it's not Palermo, it's, it's Genoa. His name's Goran Pandev, right? He's been with the club for God knows how long. He's really old, but he's a leader. And you can obviously see that on the pitch. Uh, in a different position, obviously, he's a striker. But at the back, we need someone just to reignite the team when we can see to get their chins up. Because the amount of goals we conceded, I mean, I'm looking at the stats now. In 38 games, we kept, we only kept seven clean sheets. We, can, we conceded 65 goals. That's 1.7 per match. Um, and yeah, we put in 61% tackle success, which is great. But the errors leading to the goals is 10. 10 times we've given the ball away for them to score. And those, those would be in really important matches as well. Uh, like, for example, the Cardiff game where Vestergaard... I think it was Callum Patterson just absolutely just sent him flying. I was at that game as well. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, it was just, it was, it was stupid. But yeah, we need, at the back, we need a leader. I don't know whether that's Vestergaard to step up or anyone like that, Bednarek. But yeah, we just need someone at the back to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing and what their jobs are. Yeah, and I think that will, I think we've been talking about that in, in, in previous weeks as well. And, and, it's something that I've that's come up over and over is we the leadership just isn't there, you know. Yeah. Um, even when Yoshida wears the armband from time to time, uh, when Hoiberg is out or whatever, it, it it doesn't quite come off the way that you know. And I think it just shows how much we miss Font um, back there and uh, that type of presence in, in the defensive line. And I have to say again, like I always thought the people next to him made him look good. And I'm, I'm starting to, you know, reconsider that and, and give him, he's, he deserves some more credit. Um, and he's, yeah. made, he's made the Portugal squad again, uh, whereas Cedric didn't. So, um, yeah, obviously, yeah. You know, yeah. oops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for, for you, um, 
now with the team moving forward like if there's if there's one player that you are building the team around that that you we absolutely cannot lose uh who is who is that player uh, i know i've been i've heard you say this question to quite a few people over the last couple uh weeks and everyone's saying our oh, redmond hoiberg all of them and i would agree hoiberg for me he's 23 years old and he's already become our club captain and he really does change the game when he's on the pitch not is you don't notice him that much when he's on the pitch he's just little passes here and there moving the play forward um but i mean under hughes he was the one to always come out and apologize to the fans for what's happened so he'd he'd be he'd be that one even while bertram was still captain and for me he shows he tells me i mean from his body language and what he says that he wants to be at this club and we haven't had players like that in a while who want to play for the club Mm-hmm. Um, instead of using us as a stepping ladder. he For me, he looks like the kind of person who wants to stay here. I could be wrong. He could move in like two weeks. I have no idea because he's only got two years left on his contract. But um, yeah, I'd say Hoiberg just because he's, he's the pinwheel from defensive to attack. And ultimately, he's, he is the tempo of the midfield and our whole game. Um, and I think that's important, definitely in every team to have. Uh, Redmond, of course, you could... You could say that you would build a team around him. Um, yes, but in, in my opinion, if, if we don't get him and Hoiberg on contract soon, we can see him gone, pretty much. We can, we can see him goodbye. Uh, yeah, Redmond, Redmond looks to me like he, he's a great player. I do think that he will move on in the next couple of years. Well, Hoiberg looks like he, he might stay for a few. Yeah, and I think, you know, players like Redmond who have shown so much improvement, like they're going to, they're going to start attracting attention. Um, and maybe it's just this, you know, if you look at the wingers that are around the guys that can play the inside forward role and, and, and are versatile and pacey and can take players on, like they, they, they're, they're the fancy players. They're the ones that everybody talks about, you know? Um, yeah. and, and so if Redmond gets himself into that kind of category, then, then yes, he will be noticed because that's, then that's what other fans are going to talk about. The other fans will, we'll miss Hoiberg coming out week after week when we have bad defeats and, and he's the one giving the interviews. Like they won't pick that up uh, as quickly as we will, because I don't pick that up about Everton players or anything else. Cause I don't watch their interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. you know, we all know uh, when Theo Walcott has a good game or, or, you know, Lookman looks really good or whatever. We all re- recognize that because mm. you know, they're, they're doing fancy stuff on the pitch, but um, I was going to ask you if uh, we'll, we'll get to the getting rid of players, but there's been talk and not, I, I hate transfer rumors. I say it every week, but I hate it, the, yeah. the, uh, so. the Adam Alana stuff, you know, I was trying to have a, an objective look at it and I wrote about it a little bit in the newsletter, but like I said, I wrote it, uh, I think I told you off record. I, I got, I wrote it after I got home last night from the, yeah. from the game. And so I was <laughs> at some point, my wife's like, just go to bed. And I'm like, okay, like, so I'm stopping this and just moving on. And here's, here's some, here's some data on it. But he, you know, he did fantastic things. He does fantastic things when he's on the pitch, mm. but, but I haven't seen as much of it lately. And one thing I didn't put in the newsletter was I thought, you know, if he's not fitting Klopp's system as well, like maybe he fits into Hassan Hoodle's like, you, can you imagine like a, a front three of, of him, Redmond and, and Ings, you know, like that could, yeah, be, that would be great. That would be good. But, but, but I was yeah. looking at, you know, his minutes played, he's, he's, he's very far down over the past couple of seasons. Um, yeah, the only time he's ever reached uh, double-digit goals in the Premier League was at Southampton. He's never done that at Liverpool. Um, yeah. 
and his his minutes per goal contribution are are higher than they've ever been. And so I, I don't I don't I have a hard time going like, yeah, let's let's drop 13 million on a guy who's 31, who's coming back from a, another serious injury. Um, yeah, who hasn't proven he can really do it. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Like, you know, uh, maybe hard feelings aside from how it, it all went down before, uh, just performance wise, do you think he would, he would, he would fit in? Um, now in terms of signing him, I would say I wouldn't want to spend money on him. If that makes sense. I know that seems yeah. really ridiculous. As you said, he's 31 years old. Um, he hasn't been playing as much, so he's probably not as fit as he could be. When he used to play for us, he was a lot younger. We're talking 26, 27, 25. And, of course, he would have been much fitter and had the better ability. I think he's an experienced head, but if we were to sign him, I would say it would have to be on a free, wait for him, wait for his contract to run out, and then go in for him. Because, if I'm honest, he's a good player, but what this club does really well is find young players and then move them on instead of instead of being like a like a Stoke or a Burnley who have just signed Peter Crouch who is God knows how old um, and run the mill. He's Crouch's quality, but for me, you got to buy someone who's like a Mane who's not been heard of before, or a Hoiberg who's just come through the the Munich system. Yeah. I'd much rather see a fresh face than one which. Let's be real. Adam Lallana, his Southampton career ended quite sour. You know, yeah. <laughs> he didn't he did he didn't refuse to play for us, but he pretty much said that he wanted to move and didn't really put the effort in. He's not doing what Adam Adam Ramsey um, Adam Ramsey Aaron Ramsey's been doing all season for Arsenal and putting in the goals and putting in the effort. He never did any of that for us, right? Regardless of whether he's moving or not. So yeah, I I wouldn't sign him, but I think he would fit the system nicely. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm with you because it's it's. I, I want the team to improve. I want, I would like to see us get players in early, but I also want to see us make signings that are going to set us up for success. And it's, you know, I want I look at the players that we've sold to Liverpool and then, and then, you know, the players that have come back the other way and, and mm. Danny Ings, I love him, but I don't want to sign another, like, I don't want to sign people on sentimental reasons. And yeah, and definitely. Danny Ings is, is great when he's fit. And I just look at Lalana and say, like, he's great when he's fit, but I don't think we can afford to spend that amount of money on a player who's no. not going to be fit all the time, and 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 whose history is not as great as as as, as what we've had with Ings. Like everybody loves Ings, not everybody would yeah. love Lalana, and it wouldn't take much to, for everybody to turn on him. But anyway, um, okay, all right. I had to get that out there with somebody, and thank you. Yeah, for, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, that's no problem. Um, it, 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 one player in the squad, if you had to just get rid of him. Um, and hmm. granted, we have to do. We have to. We have way more yes. than one. But but who, yeah. who would it be? Um, let me think. Uh, I would say I heard someone say Charlie Austin the other week, which really surprised me. Um, for me, I feel bad. I feel so bad for him, but it's Fraser Forster. I feel awful for him because he's been battling with such harsh mental health problems at the uh-huh. moment. Um, that he just needs to get back out into the game and play football. Um, when we when I saw him at West Ham, he made some good saves. I won't lie, he did make some good saves. Mm-hmm. But he did cost us a goal, yeah. which that's real. We're used to seeing. Um, I believe it was the six, uh, the five one six one beating up Boxing Day against Spurs a couple of years ago. That's what got him out of the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where his career started to go downhill because he was a great keeper. Um, I mean, he sits at six foot seven. I mean, he, he commands his defense. He's, he lost all his confidence. For me, I don't see a 
a place in this squad for him. He's too, he's getting on a bit. He's not amazing. He, I mean, I feel awful because he's, I bet he's a really nice guy and he's been battling through some really hard demons at the moment. Uh-huh. But he, if he's going to, if he's going to get better, he needs to move to a different club. I don't think it's a Premier League club that would take him. Yeah, no, he probably has to go down or go, or go abroad or somewhere. But yeah. And, and I mean, I think it would help us a lot just because his wages are, are, are huge. Oh, and so, ridiculous wages, yeah. And so for, to get that off the books and, you know, potentially allow him just to, to, to move out of the limelight a little bit and, and just work on his game and, and get back to playing, I think that's good for him. And uh, obviously, uh, us being able to pay and afford somebody else's wages would be, would be, would be good. And um, yeah, yeah and, and I, like you said, you, you feel a little bad for it because he, you know, you feel for the guy. Um, and, and I want everybody to be okay and healthy and, and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I think, I think if you had to pick somebody, that's, that's not a bad one to go. Oh uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, you have any other final thoughts on the, well, um, this season again, everyone's been saying it season of two offs. Um, yeah, I mean, I've loved it. I've really enjoyed this season, especially the second half. I mean, getting wins and draws against big teams is huge in terms of the window. We need to find some hidden gems to, to reignite this team. I mean, I'm talking, we need to find little bits of Kante's. We need to find uh, maybe a few more Mane's. Uh, anything like that can really put us back on the radar in terms of recruitment because it hasn't been amazing in the last couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to next season. I hate the kits. So I'll put it out there. I despise <laughs> the home kit. I like the away kit, but the sponsor is ugly. Um, overall, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty satisfied with what I'm seeing, especially in the last couple games of the season. Um, definitely stuff to improve on, but I think in terms of player confidence at the moment, it's at an all time high, which is the best thing for the club at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how do you feel about the, the alternate kit, the third one? Oh, I quite, mm, yeah, I quite like that. I won't lie. It's pretty good, but the the sponsor on, yeah, if the sponsor on the away kit was black and white instead of blue and white, then I'd love it even more, but yeah, kind of a blue, blue sponsor. Yeah, it's It's awful. Well, blue sponsor we don't know anything about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's something to do with Zhao. I'm not sure, but. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in how it all plays out. So we'll, we'll have to see, but uh, I'll be honest. I think my favorite of the, of the three, even though I've said, I don't really like white very much because it's hard to keep clean and i have i'm just not good at it Uh, (laughs) i i like that third one a lot and yeah uh, the third one's good yeah i I can imagine there will be a kid at school who will wear the second one who will just we have kids who just wear random jerseys uh to school and uh just because they're like well it's like you know either they found it at ross on sale which is like a discount store or (laughs) or it uh they, they just like the way it looks we have one kid who wears he has a west ham kit from last year and it's like it's a very nice color, but I'm like, yeah. do you know? He's like, no, don't even watch. Like, I have no no clue who they are, but uh, I just like the way it looks. That, that does annoy me. Yeah, that does annoy me. Because, well, yeah, because when we were playing them, I'm walking around going like, you know, you know, how, how do you feel about the game? And they're just like, what? Get out of here. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leave. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, Rob, thank you so much, man, for, for no doing worries. this. And, and I hope you have a, a good summer in the United States. And if yeah, you, no. I know you're staying on the East Coast, but if you happen out to be out West, you know, let me know. Yeah, I'll give you a shout. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Man. No problem. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Tim Marshall. You can find him on Twitter at Tim J. Marshall. Uh, Tim, it's been a while since we've uh, had the chance to catch up. It's been over a year since, uh, you know, we went out for, 
uh, dinner and, and a pint or I don't know, three or whatever I had that night. I apologize for anything that I may have said, but uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. Yeah. Great to be back. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and the season's over We're we're heading into you know the summer and the, the weather sounds like it's beautiful over there. And I've been joking around with people. It's now, you know, uh, tomorrow is the one kind of, uh, outdoor run that I, I commit to every single year. And it's supposed to just be, uh, we have a hundred percent chance of rain, a slight chance of thunder showers, and it's supposed to be like over an inch of rain tomorrow, which is a big deal for us. So, uh, thanks for sending us the weather and, uh, welcome back. <laughs> Uh, no problem. We've got a bit of Californian sunshine here ourselves, certainly in London anyway, for the bank holiday weekend. So for once I can be adopting the, uh, the Mark Sinner tire of shorts and t-shirt. Yeah, that's, nice. that's, that's it, man. Like it's, it's, uh, welcome to, to, to life. This is great. Um, <laughs> um, I do have a question. What, what's the, what's the, what's the reason for the bank holiday weekend? Uh, and granted by the time this comes out, it'll be over, but, uh, you know, you guys, we also have a three day weekend, uh, but I'm not sure why you guys have it. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, there's, they're too stacked early in the year, for my liking. So you get um, two for Easter, and then there's an early May one, I think is uh, May Day, spring, something to do with workers' rights, maybe. And then there's another one, it's just the late May one. And then the next one isn't until August. Um, and we don't get any until Christmas after that. So I prefer some bit later in the year. As it's, Yeah, I think they're too too loaded at the front. But I'm not complaining because it's a day off work. So yeah, it's not. Nice. Yeah. For us, this is like, this marks the, there used to be traditional schooling in the United States, uh, at least when I was growing up. And I think before that was, we went back on Labor Day, which is like the, the early September. There's a three day weekend. And, and after that, you would go back to school and then you would get off um, at Memorial Day, which is this weekend. And now I start a month before Labor Day and I go a week after uh, Memorial Day. So it's, it's okay. But my mom is always like, I can't believe you guys do this. And I'm like, mom, I only work 185 days a year. Like I am still winning. So we're okay. And she's like, okay, all right, I guess. But, 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 but you know, your summer, I'm like, ah, it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll be all right. But yeah, there are stretches in the school year where we don't have days off and you can see by like the end, like early November where we haven't had a day. This is, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like where we actually have like full weeks of school for like maybe six or seven or eight weeks in a row it gets to the point where you're like, I just need a day off. And but anyway, let's, let's, let's talk about the team. And um, we, we were talking before and you know, the, I don't think we would call the season necessarily successful, but um, you have a, a brief rundown of your season kind of by the numbers in terms of, of, of games you saw and things like that. So why don't we start with, uh, with what your season stats are? Cause I'm not sure uh, what, what exactly yours are. And then we'll, we'll move on from there. Yeah, great. I have to give a quick uh, shout out to John Lush. Um, for this little game, which he, uh, I found out via him on Twitter, uh, of your Saints season. So, so mine is that I went to nine games uh, this season. Seven of them were at home. One was the FA Cup and two were away. I saw just the one win, uh, five draws and three losses. Uh, 11 goals for, for the Saints and 14 against us. Um, so the best game I saw was Spurs at home, of course, because that was the only one that we won. And the worst was definitely the Newcastle uh, Four score draw, no score draw. Sorry, it was nil nil. Uh, best goal definitely was Ward Prowse versus Spurs. Uh, best opposition player, I would say, was Felipe Anderson uh, in the West Ham game, which we lost two one. Best opposition fans uh, were Huddersfield, um, even though they got their high vis uh, day glow shirts in the last day. I thought they were great. The really funny chance. Uh, and the worst fans won't come as any surprise. People who've been there is that the Emirates. Um, the you know the Emirates Library, uh, so that's the Arsenal fans. Yeah, that's, that's my season in numbers. All right. Well, I mean, it sounds like 
uh, again, I know we we had joked about you have almost being uh, or having a curse where you haven't seen a win, and then you finally got the Spurs one, which is not probably the one we expected, but um, an exciting and all the more exciting, I guess, as a result of that. Um, and, and like taking that into consideration, you know, if you had to make one kind of statement about the team uh, coming out of all that, like what what would it be? I think the statement I'd make is that um, they just need the belief because I just. Yeah, I mean, it got a bit ridiculous in my class where I have people on Twitter saying, like, you're banned, basically, from going to any future games because I would keep saying, oh, every time I go, they they lose or they draw or they basically are in a winning position and they throw it away. Uh-huh. And I know you're familiar with the stat. I think it was in the end 27 points that we lost from winning positions. So I think that, yeah, coming back to belief, because in those games I could see the quality was there, but they just didn't have the confidence. I think the biggest thing that Ralph did was to... You know, transform the confidence of the players. On every, everyone knows Nathan Revan in particular and the outstanding season he had, especially in the second half. But also, Will Prowse and uh, Hoiberg, uh, even more sort of fringe players like Romeo. You know, when they, when they came 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 into the team uh, under under Ralph, they just just had much more belief about them. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and and you could see it, and you can see the confidence kind of building. And yeah, you know, we did drop uh, a number of points from winning positions, even under Ralph, but that's because you have to be winning to drop points from winning positions. Um, and that wasn't always the case under Marquise because we just couldn't score. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think that moving forward, I think that that'll take some time to change. But I think that um, the team looks much more confident. And, and like you said, playing players like James Earl Prowse and Nathan Redmond, uh, they, they are, they are, they have that confidence. And, uh, if Redmond can just avoid running over um, goals on uh, England duty and stays healthy, I think we'll be we'll be much better off. But uh, I mean, looking forward a little bit um, this summer, the, obviously the transfer window is open. Uh, there are a, t- a ton of rumors, which is my least favorite thing in the entire world. But um, if you had to like, give some thoughts on uh, on what's happening this summer or something that you are looking forward to and that the team is doing this summer, what what would that be? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't pay too much attention to the um, to the rumors, but I did just see that apparently we're in a four-way tussle for Gary Cahill's services. Uh, and I do think centre-back is definitely a position we need to um, strengthen in because, again, to come back to that, uh, losing points winning positions quite often, that is defensive errors and... Um, I was actually surprised to to hear that it was Ang Gunn that made the most um, uh, errors. I thought it was would have been Jack Stevens, perhaps, but nonetheless, you know, you need a confident um, back four to have a confident goalkeeper, and vice versa, because they also sort of feed off each other. And it's not really maybe the Saints' way to bring in, you know, an older guy from a big club, right. much more bringing up the uh, yeah the kind of academy players. But I think in that case, he would be potentially good because of you know huge experience he, he brings and to like really solidify that position. So, yeah, I'm excited to, in a way to see if we don't bring him in, um, who else we might bring in in the defence and, and what happens over the summer in terms of really shoring that up, up because we have such great attacking talent. You know, when we have the confidence and when we get our kind of passing and moving game together, uh, it's like the red arrows of old. You know, and you're seeing uh, Redmond and um, Warpress flying forward. And even, and even Ballerine on the wings is, is such an exciting attacking talent as well. I think that build that, build that base from the defence and then, and then really let our sort of attackers you know, work there, work their magic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the one thing we've, we've said we needed in the defense is, is leadership and granted Cahill is not somebody that I necessarily want to sign to a, a big long-term deal or anything like that. And he hasn't played a whole lot this season at all. Uh, but there, there is some leadership there, you know, and, and he learned, um, hopefully just the good habits from, uh, from Terry, uh, during their time together. So, um, you know, I, 
I'm not sure if it, that's an exciting signing or a rumor, but it definitely you know answers the the leadership portion of that. And I think we could we got some guys who could learn from him in, in that regard. But uh, we'll see kind of how that goes, and maybe that's just a locker room presence, or maybe it, it doesn't happen. But hopefully, somebody of that uh, with, with with some leadership comes in because I think that that's kind of what we need to for for that confidence in the back line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of on that note, like looking forward. Obviously, Saints are going to have to get rid of some people in the transfer window before we bring anybody in. We have we just have too many players uh, out on loan and too many players on on contracts that are kind of sucking up wages and things like that. But if there's one player you know that you think is is uh, kind of vital uh, that for us to build around and not lose, um, because I think I, I'm afraid that we are going to have to sell some players that are actually good. You know, because that's how you no know, nobody wants to buy bad players and on bad contracts. So somebody may have to actually go that we would rather keep. And so if there's a player that you just say like this, this person cannot leave, like we need to build the team around these people uh, who maybe is that one or two players that we absolutely have to hold on to. Yeah. So you're not probably going to be surprised to hear me see, say absolutely Nathan Redmond. Right. Um, I've had a field game and you know, the best thing about it was having a, a beer before the match with, with uh, John who I've just mentioned. And the actual game was a bit of uh, a damn squid players were all on the beach with the exception of Nathan Redmond, who, you know, scored a brilliant goal and really seemed to be, trying up until the last and, and he's just been a revelation this season so he's the guy that makes makes things happen and we've really lost you know some creativity because of Tadic departing so definitely him and then you know to, to, to pick someone else Hoiberg um, again it's probably no surprise to Saints fans that we want to really hold on to him because he does have those leadership qualities you were just describing he can be a bit hot-headed but you know there's two sides of that coin that the passion he shows is brilliant um, and he always just gets stuck in so uh, I think those those two are absolutely key, and they're both quite young as well. So I think we need to hold on to them for as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I, you know, I've asked that question a couple of times now, and and the, the answer keeps coming back the same. But I'd like to hear it because it it just kind of reinforces the idea that you know we're all kind of seeing the same thing, and we're all kind of noticing it. And and I think in that regard, I think the club knows it too, and the club's going to make sure that those guys stick around. And there's been no rumor that either one of them are departing, but they're eventually going to attract the attention of other of other clubs. And, and that's, you know, unfortunately what we are, what we're hoping for. Cause if not, then that just means they're not playing well enough and that's not, that's not good either. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and, and in terms of, of moving people on, if you had to just pick one person that you could just make sure we got rid of be, whether it be for wages or performance reasons or uh, anything else, like who, who would that player be? Well, if we're going for wages, I think unfortunately we have to say, uh, Fraser Forster because he's on 80 K a week is the figure we hit. Um, he didn't do great against West Ham, although he just came back to the team for that one appearance. But he's just expensive, and it just seemed like Gunn is definitely our number one choice now for the for the future. Um, you know, regardless of the fact that he's made a few mistakes, he's young, and he's also put in some uh, great performances and some great saves. And the Chelsea one was a particular highlight. So, mm-hmm. if we have like, our number one McCarthy as backup, or even someone from the the academy that would be fine with me i think i think forster charlie austin as well i think he's on his way out anyway but i wouldn't keep him um of the two uh two two strikers out of boston and long i definitely keep long not just for his um goal flurry at the end but i think he also brings something to the dressing room i think that you can look beyond just the kind of statistical or more kind of monetary kind of contribution of the player and i think he seems to be very popular with his teammates and um when he came on in, in the uh, Spurs game, he made a big difference as well. So I think he has uh, he has something about him that I think we, is worth hanging on to for another year or so, even though he's 30, 
one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said about guys with a work rate like that, 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 that can become infectious too. And, and you need the, the thing about Ralph's system is that if, if people don't, if you're not winning games, it can be uh, really disheartening when you're putting in that amount of effort. And so to have a guy that's kind of going to give you that effort, no matter what, um, you, you may need that, that little extra kick in the team once or twice in a season when you go through a, a poor patch of, uh, of results or something like that. So I think, I think he's a good person to have around just as, like you said, as a, as a, as in terms of a dressing room influence. And, um, I don't know. I will, we'll see how he goes, but I definitely think we need to add somebody who, who will score more consistently. Um, and, uh, who will be fit more consistently. Cause unfortunately Danny Ings missed quite a bit of time this year. And as a result, hasn't scored, uh, hasn't scored, since 2018 yeah definitely i think he's very talented and um he sort of started off quite well but like you said with that inconsistency um and his injury proneness we do we do need someone else and again with Oberfemi, i think he's great and i'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do as he's, he's so young um but he seems to be maybe a bit injury prone as well so yeah his striker is definitely a priority absolutely absolutely all right well do you have any other uh any other final thoughts on the on the team or the season or anything you'd like to say before we wrap this up yeah, I just think that um, it was obviously a very mixed um, season, but I think we definitely we did it the right way around in, in that you don't want to start really strongly and then, uh, you, you know, tail out and be, and be sort of sink, sinking down the table if you can come, come back from a bad position um, to, to kind of secure survival with a couple of games to spare um, and some good performances. Then there's sort of real green shoots for um, optimism and recovery for next season and then I think that really means the fan base is quite, you know, united, quite excited for what we're going to see um, next season under Ralph when he gets a full preseason under his belt. He gets to bring in some players of his choice, and you know, he always has a really good connection with the with the fans. Um, people are saying possibly the best ever since Strachan, which is going back quite a while. Um, so certainly that combination of his, yeah, his sort of charisma and, and charm, personality, but also his his tactical news means I think we're in. You know, the best sort of position we've been going into a season since we were under Kuman. So I think he's done, you know, if we say one big thing that's changed the season, I think he has done that more than any player. He's, he's, the, he's sort of the biggest factor uh, to, to us staying up and and the mood, the real mood around the club. So I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, going to see hopefully more wins than I did last season <laughs> uh, and, and more games and uh, yeah. And, and, and enjoy the, uh, sort of Ralph revolution as it and long may it live on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the summer moving on and seeing some actual signings and, and, you know, see some people depart as well, I'm sure, but uh, it, it'll all, it'll all wash out and we'll see how, how we face up when we begin the season and the guys start playing preseason and things like that. So uh, I'm definitely excited about it and, and looking forward to it. And uh, I'm glad we got to talk a little bit. Thanks. Cheers. Good to talk to you. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Chris, Tim, Rob, and Tim for joining the show and taking time out of their week to talk about Saints, uh, discuss some things both on and off the pitch. Uh, I enjoyed chatting with each of you and uh, really is the best part of the show. So thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Take care with whatever the summer brings and hopefully uh, it all goes well. Thanks this week also goes out to all of you who are listening. Really do appreciate it. This officially kind of brings the season to an end uh, with the season reviews being done. And we'll transition next week into uh, other shows about Saints because that's what this is. 
It's a show about saints. It's called the Southampton Delivery Podcast. And uh, it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with us on social media, let us know how you feel. Uh, you can do that. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. Uh, and you can send us an email at Southampton delivery at gmail.com. Or you can visit the website to get all of those links uh, or drop a message there or subscribe to the newsletter. Do that at southamptondelivery.com. Uh, I am actually very proud of the website and how it's coming along. And I'm also very proud of the newsletter. Uh, so check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, our partner for the show is the Southampton page. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for all your Southampton FC news and needs. I am not going to keep you up to date on all the transfer rumors that are happening because I just don't care that much about them. Uh, but the Southampton page will. And that's where I go for my news. Uh, you should go there too. The logo for the show is designed by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page. I say it every week. Uh, the show wouldn't be possible without him, and he's so good at graphic design that he now does it for Saints. So uh, I think he's good enough for you to check out. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the intro credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. If you haven't done so already, be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen. And like I said, check out SouthamptonDelivery.com for all the links to get in touch with us on social media uh, and, and tell a friend. It really does help, and I really do appreciate it. So that does it for this week. We will be back next week. But until then, remember that together, we march on.